When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Bald Move Prestige film. Today, we're talking about uh, one of the the one of the scariest movies of all time. Uh, certainly one of the scariest PG movies of all time. 1975's Jaws, uh, which, which just kind of terrified generations of moviegoers. Uh, made me afraid to swim in my granddad's pool. First time I saw it. Mm-hmm. Like, ain't that a bitch when you're like nine years old? You, you're, you know, there's no shark in this water. Right. But but also, he's got a deep end. There could be a shark in the water, and and you know, I they used to they used to eight nine years old. I used to swim alone. That's crazy. I'm lucky I didn't drown. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jim, uh, this movie was directed by, of course, Steven Spielberg. Oh, who, uh, screenplay. Hmm, that? Yeah, I know. Uh, some some uh, one one hit wonder here. Screenplay by Peter Benchley and Carl Gottlieb, uh, based on the novel Jaws by Peter Benchley. Uh, it stars Roy Scheider, Sh- Sh- who's also star of The French Connection, 2010, The Year We Make Contact, which we need to see sometime, hmm. uh, Marathon Man, Robert Shaw, who you might have seen in The Sting, uh, in one of the Connery Bonds from Russia with Love, The Taking of Pelham, one, two, three, and of course, Richard Dreyfus, one of my cinematic kryptonites. I don't like this guy. I don't like his really? acting. But I actually really liked him in this movie. Okay. You might have seen him in Mr. Holland's Opus, American Graffiti, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. What about Bob? He narrated Stand By Me. We just talked about that movie a couple weeks ago. And uh, Peter Benchley snuck in a cameo as the interviewer uh, for uh, one of those uh, radio segments. I didn't recognize him. I'm not even sure if his face is seen. And the other star of this show, the composer... Yeah. Jazzy Johnny Williams, one of his first big breakout movies before he went on a tear of Star Wars and Superman and all mm-hmm. that other stuff. Um, I mean, w- one of the most memorable villain soundtracks of all time. Uh, I've kind of been talking shit about this movie of late. I know in a couple of podcasts I've said uh, a couple lunches I might have mentioned, like, has anyone seen Jaws lately? That that shark, man, it just doesn't. It, it, it doesn't hold up, right? Maybe someone should digitally, you know, Steven Spielberg should take some of that uh, turning guns to CB budget and, and smooth over some of that stuff. But I, I'm wrong. I'm dead wrong. This this movie holds up like a fucking champ. Uh, what do you think of it, Jim? Yeah, I mean, especially the shark. The The shark is still just about as realistic looking as I could imagine a shark being. Um, I, I think CG would actually make it worse. It, there, there are very few movies I could say that about. Um, the Thing maybe being another one, but yeah, that would it would change it. it um, I, I feel like the the mm. mechanical, like you know, the dead doll's eye look of this thing is exactly what you want, and it's terrifying because it's they, they describe it as an eating machine, right? And that's its only purpose, mm. and you feel that because this model doesn't doesn't emote a shark's not going to emote right like there's no. no expression it's not angry when it's coming at you it's just trying to eat you and i yeah it's terrifying it is terrifying and i think that um 
I, I mean, I do think that some of the shark scenes are a little silly. Um, time has rendered them a little bit obsolete. But usually when that is the case, there is something like Robert Shaw half in the shark's mouth with blood exploding out of his mouth, screaming for his life, stabbing the thing with a big machete. Mm-hmm. And you kind of and it's thrashing in a boat that's sinking and you don't really notice. Now, like I said, I, if someone wants to drop a couple million dollars on this to like just Again, I'm not saying replace it with a CGI mm. shark, but maybe taking the the Adobe smoothing to and, and smooth some of the that stuff out, so you can't quite tell it's an articulated, you know, steel skeleton with some shark skin over it. Uh, it I think it maybe mm. like like for um, we're past the 50th anniversary for this, aren't we? That oh, was like yeah. a year. Yeah, like if if we had gotten a 50th no. uh, anniversary release, oh, oh yeah, it's 2020. Not. It'd be 2025. Five. Yeah, it'd be. Three years, four years now. So when the 50th anniversary Criterion Edition, there's still time to 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 make this the movie per, future proof. But it it holds up because you know, turns out you've got one of the what will turn out to be one of the greatest living directors of our time, mm-hmm. uh, making a dollar out of fifteen cents out of every one of these scenes with like every like like some things are really easy. Just hey, get a camera right at the water level, splash a lot of water, have people trampling and. Just and, and just just get you right in the middle of the panic. Some of it just like y- y- those boat sinking sequences. Uh, I just think about like how hard it must have been to coordinate all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and do it again and again and again. Uh, you know, the, the troubles they had on this film are legendary, but it just. Yeah. Like. We did this. Uh, we, we did arachnophobia on Twitch, uh, our, uh, our sci fi Sunday or scary sci fi Sunday last weekend. And we did a poll of like, you know, what are the most terrifying things to be eaten? And shark is right up there. Like the further you get away from like, I think the scariest thing to eat you alive is a person. Right. Yeah. According to our poll, it was Jeff Daniels. So there you go. Uh, So you put a person as is eating you alive. That would be terrifying because, you know, it's you, you share a conscious experience here. But then you go like spider, snake, shark, you know, like like they're they're way more terrifying than being eaten by a fellow you know, like mammal. Right. And there's something Probably. just like primordial about this hundreds of millions of years old. Yeah. Evolutionarily refined uh, eating and killing machine, just getting its its teeth into you. Yeah. And then, you know, talking about the effects a little bit more and this, this animatronic that they made for this shark, it works so perfectly because you don't need to see a lot. And actually, the less you see of the shark, the better. And there are only a few times yes. toward the very tail end of this movie where they show you the entire shark um, or a close up shot enough of it to, to really make out that, OK, this isn't a live shark. Uh, and the rest of the movie is so effective because they don't show it to you. Right. This is classic horror stuff. And and Spielberg's re- really leaning into that stuff where. It, it, there are just a couple of times just doing a swim by right is terrifying when you when you just see it's it's dorsal fin or whatever coming up out of the water and you know it's there you don't even really mm-hmm. need to see it or when you get a glimpse of it through you know three feet of water or something and you could just see how right. big it is right it's mm-hmm. terrifying or sometimes if you just hear, mm-hmm. you know, like it's the, the suggestion of the shark is out there and uh, he, he this movie's really paced well. I'd forgotten. Yeah, it is. It's been about 10 years since I've seen this movie and I'd forgotten a couple of the sequences of events. So some of these things are genuinely surprising. Like there's a mist. 
I thought they were setting up for a classic misdirection, you know, oh, embarrass the police chief and make him look like he is, you know, um, a reactionary and he's just like, you know, uh, uh, overreacting. And then they kill a boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I found it like extremely effective. Um, and then they later pull that fake out scene once where like, you know, you're firmly on the police chief side. And it's that's the other thing, like wildly frustrating part of this movie is the mayor and his lackeys. Yeah. And the the chamber of con- uh, commerce like running the show. It, but you get it too. like the, the yeah. beauty of this movie is is, I think, in its construction. Like, yes, it also has uh, a, a great effects department here. Um and some really good acting, but the construction of this film, the structure of it, where like you've got Roy Scheider, who is the cop who sees a shark attack and he's like, okay, we got to shut down the beach. And the mayor's like, well, let's not shut down the beach. And then a kid gets eaten and then they go out and they hunt the shark, right? And they get the shark. They get the shark. They're like, everybody, okay, everybody except one dude is saying, even the expert is like, well, this might be the shark. You know, he's not he's not out there banging the drum shouting that this is right. not the shark. There's no possible way right. it's the shark. So so you kind of get where the mayor's coming from. He doesn't want to unnecessarily shut down the beach. I get that. Um, and these people's livelihoods are on the line, right? So mm-hmm. there is a little bit of sympathy there for the people who are doing the what in retrospect is an obviously stupid thing uh, and a self-interested thing. But at the yeah. at the time it sort of kind of makes sense. And I, I really appreciated that part of the movie. Yeah, I, I, I guess I, you're right because like I've, you know, uh, I just watched midnight mass, which is about a small, you know, fishing village that's losing its livelihood. And, you know, I've, I've had some personal experiences with some, a, a, a small fishing town Island. That's kind of having the same has gone through those cycles and, you know, uh, you don't want to like, uh, you know, if a person gets hit by boat propeller, you don't want to scream shark and, and, and screw up the whole summer. Cause that could devastate the whole community. But I do feel like right. there is a point where you, the, the mayor is like, you know, they're the, the, the mayor is pretty greedy. Um, yeah. and the mayor's maybe, uh, is definitely putting, I think lives, uh, in a less important column than money. And mm-hmm. also, unfortunately, the police chief takes the brunt of it, like that one scene where the mom slaps him. It's like, man, there's a couple slaps that need to be distributed equally amongst some dumbasses here, yeah. lady. Like, for sure. Yeah, maybe that maybe the out of town sh- cop should have pushed back harder. But fuck, you know, he was going against City Hall. He's going against the coroner. He's going. Mm-hmm. Um, but it 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 does. It's this. I've read the book um, huh. and this is a pretty faithful adaptation of the book. It dispenses with uh, the only thing I can think of it re um, it, it leaving out is there's a tawdry affair between the Richard Dreyfus character and uh, the shark uh, and, and the shark. Yeah. When he goes down in the cage. <laughs> yeah. He's gone for 10 minutes. I don't know where they is. were. It's just, it's just hardcore fish fucking <laughs> and uh, no, it's him and Mrs. Brody. Who what? is a, kind of a criminal? Yeah, kind of a criminally underserved character. I know she's developed in in later films that aren't not nearly as good as this. Is mm-hmm. although Jaws Jaws two might be good. I, all I remember of Jaws two is it's an underwater complex with like these glass tunnels and and Jaws the son of Jaws Wait. or something like breaks through. Maybe that's Jaws three. That might be Jaws four even. Jaws four. Uh, I don't is know. Jaws two got yeah. Like I, I remember in the end of Jaws two, the Jaws gets done under by biting a 
um, a power cable, an underwater power cable that got snagged up oh. in an anchor or something. Okay. Um, There's one where Jaws no, I, breaks through a, a, an underwater sea lab dome. Yeah. Uh, but, the, but the book in itself is terrifying. And mm-hmm. I know that uh, Peter Benchley kind of has repented. He feels bad for writing such a scary book about sharks because it, yeah. uh, at a time where sharks were becoming critically endangered for a variety of reasons, uh, this book, I think, is responsible for like an uptick in like hunting and slaughtering of sharks and just people being afraid, you know, uh, if you see a shark off, you got to hunt it down or drive it off or put up shark netting and and just uh, generally apathetic to the plight of sharks that might be endangered. Yeah, right. And now that we have drone technology, like I remember, like the first time this happened, like five or six years ago, people horrified at the hundreds of sharks that are big sharks. They're just swimming amongst, amongst the, 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 the bathers and, and, and you never even know it. It's just like Jaws, except for without the. The Johnny Williams uh, music uh, yeah. and yeah, they don't really like to eat people. It turns out uh, usually when they uh, eat us, it's uh, especially around the shore. It's it's a mistake. I know oceanic sharks can be different like the USS Indianapolis, but mm. that's his own own fucking deal. Um, Sounded like but, it. But this is it's it's also I, I found like so many so many commonalities between this movie and like the slasher flick. Right. Like yeah, this, totally. this, uh, it, like the, the whole intro scene, how the, the villain is introduced is like your stereotypical, like teens around the fire, passing the dube, uh, you know, having some premarital sex, uh, and the, the first, the first girl that gets eaten is one of those, the, the, those girls. And it's kind of like, you know, then you don't see it for a while and it strikes and it's kind of off scene. And, and like a lot of slasher, you don't get a good look at the monster to thing until the very last act. Uh, it had it, it. I felt like there's a lot of that uh, pacing and stuff. Commonality. Yeah, I do wonder why this movie became the mainstream hit that it is, because it is a lot like a slasher movie. And in a lot of ways, it goes farther than some slasher movies. Like I guess what this movie is rated. If you had to just take a guess. You, I mean, I, I guess PG because I <sighs> don't remember this being rated R because I, I've, I saw this with my mother, so it couldn't possibly have been rated R and they didn't okay. have PG 13 yet. So yeah. I guess PG, but if Why I didn't is know this all PG? that history, this is insane, man. There are fountains of blood, geysers of blood spraying up out of the ocean from where a child is eaten. Uh, yes. th- there are severed limbs with the meaty ends close up on the camera. Th- th- I mean, the pictures in that shark book alone are horrifying and, and gory beyond comprehension. I-, I don't see stuff like this in most horror movies. And-, and this stuff was a lot more like realistically depicted too. Um, than mm-hmm. most horror movies. I don't know how they got away with this being PG. This absolutely should have been an R-rated movie. There's nudity, there's cursing, and there, it's not like hardcore cursing, but there's cursing. Sure. Drug use, like Drug I said. Use, I mean, I think the insane. only thing that saves it is is I was like really old before I realized that every that usually when you see people passing cigarettes to each other, that that's a <laughs> that's a marijuana cigarette, <laughs> right. Jim. Did you know? A jazz cigarette. Did you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're right. Like the severed head. I feel like the severed head, the the frontal nudity, although it's it's brief and it's kind of, quote unquote, tasteful. It's like a night swim. But you can. Sure. Yeah, you can see everything. I mean, especially uh, when they zoom up. Yeah. Under the water. Yeah. Honor, yeah sure. Yeah. You got you got many severed dismembered head. And like you said, the, the scene where the child gets eaten is <laughs> it's a really horrific of blood coming up out of the ocean. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, you, you see this big shark at a distance. Just kind of roll that thing over with its fins and everything. And this. Yeah, it's like when uh, uh, Army of Darkness, when uh, Ash gets thrown down the well and he <laughs> cuts off that witch's head, just, right? it just comes flying out. It's wild. Yeah. It's I mean, wild. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not rated PG, and it's it's no worse than anything I saw in this. I do wonder how much of this runaway crazy success is they essentially took the slasher formula mm-hmm. and some of that titillating, you know, because they do they, that. That's the, the the first scene is just to kind of titillate you. Yeah. Um. And, you know, I don't know what spell Spielberg cast over to MPAA, but just enough to get in PG because for a long time, conventional wisdom was that. You know, rated R movies are just not going to make as much as PG. But if you make a rated R movie and you cut it just to that PG and then suddenly like this is renowned for being the first blockbuster, mm-hmm. the first movie that it wouldn't be the last. But the first pe- the time that people would just stand in line and that would wrap around the whole building on the sidewalks to get in because people were so desperate to see it. I think I saw that like something like 75 million people saw this movie in its opening summer. And when you think about what the population of America, what was the population of America in 1975? 76 uh, million. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got to have numbers for that, right? Oh, uh, for sure. 216 million. Wow. That's a That's huge a third of the percentage of the population. Yeah. So, yeah, you take a rated R movie about, you know, this kind of shopping, shocking subject and, and you edit it down. And, and I also wonder, like, how successful this movie would have been if any other person had scored it. Because yeah. that main theme is fucking brilliant and mm-hmm. it makes scene, scenes of things like just a barrel floating around or a piece of debris from a dock floating around or, you know, just a scene of an ocean with people swimming. It makes it terrifying. Um, and it's so simple, just like those yeah. two notes. Da-da. No, it totally influenced hor- every horror movie to come. Like you think of Halloween, right? With with its theme, it, that is absolutely a result of the Jaws soundtrack. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, and I can't. Yeah, as like I said, it'd be interesting to see who else could have done like a better job of, of scoring this and given so much personality to Shark. Um, no, do no, we want? I mean, John Williams is is basically one of a kind he's he's written so many incredible themes so much amazing music yeah yeah i don't i don't care who you are you're you're not on john williams level if you're writing music yeah and that's what drives me crazy when people say like all of his shit sounds the same like (laughs) maybe all of his heroic themes and marches kind of sound the same because they're marches but Get the fuck out of here if yeah. you think he can't do something besides, you know, dun 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 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um man, do you wanna do you wanna get like hardcore to spoilers in this movie? Because I, I can't do. imagine someone there's there's people that haven't seen this movie, but just in case, uh this is a movie about a big shark, uh like a freakishly large shark that comes to the town of Amityville that's somewhere in Massachusetts, I think, based on the accent. <laughs> Not Amityville. Although I can see why you would make oh, that mistake. It's just Amity. 
Amnity, yeah, not not the uh, not the horror. This is a different horror in am- uh, involved with Amnity, but uh, the small town, coastal town of am- Amnity, is uh, you know relies on its uh, income for summer tourist dollars, relies on its existence rather, and uh, the town sheriff wants to. There's a, there's a shark attack. Uh, town sheriff wants to shut the beaches down. The mayor doesn't. Uh, there's a civic struggle for that. They get uh, an oceanographer, a shark expert out to, to study it. They have a old school like World War II vet fisherman that's going to try to hunt and kill this shark. And uh, it's it's a it's a race between time and greed to see whether they can get this shark uh, out of the water so the people can get into the water uh, before too many people get eaten. And boy, I tell you, the last act of this movie is something fucking else. Mm-hmm. Like everything from the USS Indianapolis speech on is just a just just breathless, nonstop thrills uh, in a movie. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, okay, let's talk about um, this movie in detail. I thought so. Like I said, I, I, I this movie's paced so well. Like, and it zigs when you're supposed to, because I, I, I was mortally certain that first beat shot where Roy is kind of looking out and he's just paranoid, looking at everything. It reminded me so much of the train scene, the train station scene in Untouchables. You know where you got, uh, um, uh, ah, fuck, what's his? Uh, you got Elliot Ness at the train station, just kind of trying to keep an eye on everything, and like his eyes are constantly drawn to movement. Like, oh, there's a group of nuns. Oh, there's a girl. With a baby, uh, a baby carriage. There's some uh, sailors coming off of leave, um, and it's all kind of a red herring stuff. You're looking for the danger, but you can't see the danger. And it this exact same thing, man. He's like looking all around. Oh, there's a dog swimming. Is the dog going to get that? Surely mm-hmm. not the dog. There's a kid on the raft. The kid can't be the one that gets it. It's a fat woman out there floating. Old man in bad headgear. Like, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? All kinds of distractions where people come up. Hey, chief, I need to talk to you about some parking fee shit. And it just the whole time the tension is ratcheting up because, you know, someone's going to get it. And they and do. I, I and I. But the thing is, is I sitting there, you know, uh, just watching, taking my notes and thinking, oh, this is the this is the fake out. This is the one where mm-hmm. the kid is going to goof him with the, the shark fin and he's going to look like a fool. No, man, that kid gets torsoed right in front of us. <laughs> in my notes, I but I'm watching this scene and I typed, does this movie have the balls to eat a kid or a dog? And at the end of that scene, I typed, yes, it most certainly does, because holy shit, not only does the shark get this kid, but that's the the blood geyser. Yeah, and it looks great. That's where I also realized I had really miscalculated about this movie holding up, because (laughs) from a distance, that that shark model is kind of rolling over onto its belly and getting its fins out in the water and knocking that thing out in the fountain of blood. It. I mean, it, it looks like documentary, like you could see this like slightly grainier on Shark Week and it would be the most horrifying thing you've seen. It's still kind of the most horrifying thing I've seen. And and the mom slowly oh, yeah. realizing it's her kid that's not going to get out of the water alive. Mm-hmm. And the, the deflated raft washing up on shore. Yeah, that's it's good. 
it uh it's it's really good it's it's um I, again i don't like i don't have the skill to like break this movie down and tell you everything that spielberg's doing to build up tension and all that but like it is probably something that if you are a big uh you know you want to make films you, you probably should study because again he's just it's like really some of this stuff is really simple technique like that's just like drag a rubber shark through the water have it hit a thing i don't i don't know how you get the fight geyser of blood but um <laughs> yeah and I, the thing is, is like i said it was totally shocking for me watching it in 2021 like because i was just bad this is going to be the fake out and it wasn't yeah and not a lot of movies even have to have the uh the the fortitude the 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 conviction to go all the way out with uh their premise right like who's gonna most likely be eaten by a shark here probably kids most most of the people in the water are gonna be kids they're gonna be the ones splashing around all crazy and attracting the shark's attention yeah and so the movie just goes for it and i was totally surprised by that I will say that again, you mentioned that like, you know, you, you don't have the, what it, what it takes to like break down this film cinematically or whatever, um, shot by shot. And I I think we need to note that because so much has been said about Jaws, um, that, yeah, this, this review is going to be just the, the fun that we had with the movie. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think we're going to try and approach it like, Hey, here's what's happening and why it's effective and all that stuff Mm -hmm. other than just how we personally feel about it. And and again, I think the you you talking about the balls to kill a kid in a PG movie. But to mm-hmm. me, that's where like um, if I'm watching a PG, even a PG thirteen movie, I'm never really bothered when children are put in danger because to me, what separates right. the PGs from the R's is R will kill a fucking kid. You Sometimes, know? yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like even then, it's 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 still kind of like top shelf shocking. Like the last time I can see it, and it just really remembers that that we we're just talking about Doctor Sleep, the fucking scene in Doctor Sleep mm-hmm. where the vampires steal that kid's mist. Uh, it's fucking it's it's fucking horrifying. Uh, uh-huh. And in a PG movie, you're just not expecting the dog or the kid. You're expecting the old dude in the ugly hat. You're expecting the <laughs> right. The, the fat woman out on her floaty or something like that. You're not expecting the, them to, the menace the innocence. And um, it also really works effectively when Brody's kids are later in the water and mm-hmm. the shark makes its way up the estuary into the pond. And uh, now his kids are in danger. And there's that one scene where the kids got the thousand yard stare and the, and it's implied that the shark just goes right past him. Um, yeah. And you know, his kid, his, his parents are like frantically trying to get him out of water. It it works. It works. Um, and it know, works it on the when mayor. I saw it the first time. It works now, especially that I'm a parent. Yeah, it works also because um, the mayor says his kids were out on that beach, right, or in, in that water. Um, later on, after more bad shit happens, um, but yeah, it's it's more effective to have a kid getting eaten at the beginning here than you know somebody else. Yeah. Um, I also thought. What do you think of the introduction of Quint? Uh, Quint's a great character. Oh boy! But what what an introduction for this guy. Yeah, I love how the the room the the crowd in the room just kind of parts and lets the camera through as he's back there with his you know ah I can, I can get you the head the tail the whole damn thing. It's <laughs> I love it. I love this character, and I actually love all these characters. I think the characters are so well uh separated in this movie like the, you can tell the characters apart just by 
the dialogue if you were reading it on the page, right? I, I can tell mm-hmm. Brody from Hooper from Quint, no problem. Um, so yeah, the characters are really good, and Quint is a, a Popeye esque type character, is what I would call him. Yeah, he's halfway through the captain of uh, Moby Dick. Ahab, yeah, yeah, like Popeye. Uh, he's he's definitely he's got, a big Ahab figure. He's got yeah. big Ahab energy in this movie. Yeah, yeah, he's just like uh, doomed to hunt the species down until they kill him. Yeah, like that's that's the only way he can he can go out. Um, but I think is this the first time a character ever introduced themselves by scratching their nails down a chalkboard? Because I found that <laughs> like, might be. You know, like all these these people are squabbling over their money and whether the shark's a threat or not. And he just comes and cut literally cuts through it uh, like the camera does through the crowd uh, with with the fucking nails on chalkboard. Yeah. Psychopath. I I don't get out of bed for three thousand, but I'll do it for ten. It's. (laughs) And it's so great because they also they introduce uh, they contrast this guy who the scene does a good job of establishing. This is. This is the professional. Mm-hmm. This is the guy who can get this shit done. And they have this big $3,000 reward, which he shits on. I, you know, there's going to pay 10,000 to get it, but it, it brings out everybody. And like, there's this great scene of just amateurs on the water. Oh God. Shumming up it and dynamiting and almost swamping each other. It looked like, uh, you know, one of those Trump fot- flotilla things from last summer. Right. And they're dynamiting the water and all that. And like, there's a scene of like Quint coming by and you get the, you get to see his orca for the first time. It's this ramshackle looking thing. Mm-hmm. And he's just like laughing his ass off at uh, the the chaos. Like you know, uh, there's no way they're going to catch. They actually do manage to catch a pretty big shark. I was impressed, but uh, you know, you uh, mentioned like that, that like this is the scene where it's okay, obvious that the professional has stepped into uh, the story here. But you wouldn't know that based on the dialogue of the speech right the the speech is him just blustering about how he can get this shark if they pay him a bunch of money he doesn't say yeah. anything specific that's like i know how to do this because here's what i know about sharks and all that it's really about the filmmaking here like everything about the movement of the camera the the music all of it is coming together to tell you that this is the guy who knows what's up mm-hmm. uh i was i was just impressed that like they don't they, they, they use the techniques of, of cinema, not necessarily the words on the page to get that across. So I don't really much care for Richard Dreyfuss. Um, I've seen a lot of the movies uh, that he's kind of renowned for, and he always comes off as kind of like an arrogant, know-it-all, prissy little prick. Hmm. Uh, like and Clint this role is... He is. In the beginning of kind of made. Yeah. I mean, I, I, he's not like, yeah, he kind of is that, uh, he does kind of look, I mean, that's the thing is like Clint Quint looks down his nose at him, but I feel like, uh, they start like, like, um, the, the drive has started off kind of looking down on, on Quint for being less educated. And, you know, it's, it's like the real world mm-hmm. experience versus the guy who is like, has, has got a lot of book learning. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a kind of like a, a, a tropey relationship, but it works. And like I said, I um I don't hate Richard Dreyfus fa- Dreyfus's face. It's maybe I just hate his characters or, or maybe I just hate his style of acting and this is just a perfect suit for this character because he's mm-hmm. essentially playing what I understand like Richard Dreyfus to be. 
Um, and he's good. <laughs> he's like this nerdy, obsessed, extremely kind of wealthy and privileged, um, in super impatient, um, mm-hmm. well educated, uh, like modern, modern, modern technology versus you know, like if you told me Quint's boat was steam driven, I'd believe you. Yeah. Uh, and it and and, and the the chemistry between these guys just plays so well, and I guess. They hated each other on set. Hmm. Um, I've read a lot of stories of Richard Dreyfuss not getting along with people. Um, and I also, in, in, in researching about this, I found that the Robert Shaw late in life had kind of like descended into pretty severe alcoholism. Mm. And he was having a hard time on the set, like, uh, you know, trying to trying to find that balance. And he was like being hounded by the IRS. Like they had the... F- Apparently they had to fly him back to Canada uh like on the days he wasn't shooting because he was afraid to be apprehended or there was like the visa he stood like the like the IRS agents could only get him if he'd been in the states for 72 hours. I don't know, it's some kind of crazy shit. He's under a lot of pressure, but him and Richard Drivers didn't get uh-huh. along and like hated each other and was always fighting on set and that I feel like that energy comes through because mm-hmm. like there's a lot of things where Hooper uh, is that his guy's name? Is it, is it Hooper? Yeah. Hooper has to have Quint in just complete contempt. Like when Quint's mm-hmm. telling him, back up, go to Starboard. And he's up there just like, you know, I, I. It's, it's, it's funny and it really works. And apparently it uh, had a lot of the real world energy in it. Yikes. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a fun set. I don't know. So, so much of the, the stories I've heard of Jaws do sound like fun. I mean, they sound like a nightmare, but in a fun way. Um, yeah, that doesn't sound like fun. Do you? Because I've I mean, I've always heard from like Steven Spielberg's perspective. This was a nightmare. Uh huh. Like everything was over budget and stuff. But but also sharks, you know, they're out there making some crazy movie. I I don't know. I I mean, probably people in hindsight say, well, no, it was like actually some of the best times of my life. But yeah, I've heard stories Mm -hmm. of people uh, talking about how much they love that. Sure. Yeah, well, I mean, miserable experiences can sometimes be the most memorable ones. But mm-hmm. I know from Spielberg's perspective, like it was, yeah, it's always under but over budget. Those sharks cost like a quarter million dollars a piece, and he lost one of them. Um, I saw one of those at Universal Studios back in the late '80s, probably. Um, you took they, the train ride, did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it goes by a tank where you know the jaws pops out at you and all that stuff. So. Yeah, it was cool. Do those things still exist and how good did they look? I like can't I can't imagine, imagine those things sitting in a pond in Florida mm-hmm. for 40 years and still be looking good. But I, I don't know. I've never been. Do they still have King Kong coming out and attacking you? And probably. Um, I don't know. I saw a kit from Knight Rider there, too. That was cool. Got to sit ooh. in it. Yeah, I'm sure that wasn't a, a screen used. Uh, that was probably like one of the extras they had laying around. Um, but Dreyfus is like, I, I, the, the thing about that works about this movie is by the time you get to the end, that third act, it's so good. You know, these guys so well and their personalities that you're still kind of like rooting for him. Cause like as much mm-hmm. of a turd and little pissant that, uh, Richard Dreyfus is, he's also very brave. Yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, he, he's trying to prove that this shark is real and they get out on the water and at night with a searchlight and they're trying like, you know, they got this whole territorial thing. I, I don't know how much of this the shark science of this movie is bullshit, by the way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they got these theories and they're testing it out and they find a, a place where it looks like Jaws is taking a boat down 
And he just fucking, no cage, no nothing, just gets in his wetsuit and jumps in to investigate, which gives one of the biggest scares in the movie when that guy's head rolls out of the the boat. Um, So, like, you can't hate the guy. And even in the midst of, like, this boat getting torn apart, he volunteers to get in the shark cage. Quint's already told him this this shark is going to destroy no problem (laughs) and gets in with, like, a super toxic dart to try to, like, end it all. Immediately um, drops taking it. a huge risk. I love it. Exactly. And well, but that's the shark looked really good in those those water scenes too, mm-hmm. though, where it's attacking the cage. I thought Fantastic. it was like pretty terrifying. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's amazing how flimsy, how <laughs> how poorly that cage held up. It was just like made of plastic, and here comes Jaws to chew it to bits. Uh but the thing I noticed about Hooper's character is he's got all these modern gadgets, right? But all those modern gadgets are exactly the way that we deal with sharks now. Like if you want to experience, uh, you know, being underwater with sharks, you go in one of these shark cages because that's how it works. Right. It's it's not. And then they do something with the shark dart that he's got like an electronic tracker, but they never do anything with it. He gets it on Jaws, but then they don't do anything with the electronic tracking. They just use the barrels, even when they lose sight of the barrels when he goes under. I don't understand why they don't do so, anything with this. I think there might be a cut scene here because I was confused too. Cause they had a barrel stuck in them and then they mm-hmm. stick two more and they're like, Oh, with two more barrels or with two barrels, he can't possibly surf uh, submerge. But there, that first barrel that had the, the, the blinking beacon got lost in some, at some point, but okay. they never really address in a movie it just goes missing. Yeah. So, and they never try and track uh, yeah. it, right? Because Jaws goes underwater with that barrel, but they never try and track that barrel with the electronic tracking. They just say, well, right. I guess we'll wait here until he comes back up. Yeah, I do. I do wonder if they. Yeah, like there, there had to be something that addresses that first barrel, uh, like on the cutting room floor. or Maybe there's an ex- a super extended edition that deals with it. But like that first scene of sticking them was so good that they had to. But yeah, why wouldn't they cut off the part where Dreyfus is? putting the tracker on, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I, that, that, I thought that was kind of weird too. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, I, I have a hard time with Richard Dreyfus, but they do. This is the perfect movie for him. And Quint Quint's kind of like an asshole, right? Like you kind of are primed not to like him mm-hmm. and they really humanize him in that uh, one stretch where he tells the USS Indianapolis. It's like, well, okay, yeah. this guy might be a drunken, complete curmudgeon, cross grained bastard. But he comes by it honestly, you know. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I I wasn't sure if that's a real story. Do you know anything about the Indianapolis? Yeah, they, uh, Dan Carlin uh, did a whole thing, like one of his uh, hardcore history addendums on the USS Indianapolis and the whole particular tragic story because it is it is the. Uh, um, I don't know how many of the sailors got eaten by sharks. Right. I don't think literally all of them. A lot of them died of exposure. But like what mm-hmm. he roughly told 1100 men going into water, 300 men coming out is is true. They were okay. stuck out there for five because they were on a, a top secret mission delivering the atomic yeah, the bomb. Way he tells it they were doing like com, they're like com, there was calm silence and like uh, it wasn't un, you know, they, they weren't like checking up on it as much as they would. I forget exactly why, because in normal times, a destroyer going down in the middle of the Pacific during World War Two would have been like instantly picked up and noticed. But there was some kind of like alignment of 
shit that happened that 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 uh, the, the USS Indianapolis being missing for several days didn't really cause any alarm. Um, so these men just had to float and fend for themselves. And, you know, you're dying at that point. You're starting to die of thirst. You're dying of exposure. Yeah. And yeah, yeah it's well attested that the the oceanic like white and black tips just ripped these guys up. I figure they um, wouldn't make that story up. Um, it's yeah. giving it a very specific uh, historical time frame. Yeah. And it, it might be slightly sensationalized. But again, like uh, when I, I remember listening to that hardcore history with Dan Carlin on it and it was sounded pretty horrific. And uh, there's a whole other story about this because there's uh, up at the Indiana State Museum, there's a whole exhibit. You know, they railroaded the captain of that thing. And I mean, this has nothing to do with the movie. But yeah, as far as I can tell. And that's like a five minute soliloquy this guy gives. And he did it. And I, I so I, I guess they did it. And he got he decided that since he was supposed to be drunk, he the uh, uh, Shaw was going to get drunk for the scene and just made a mess of it. And he came to Spielberg the next day, like teary eyed and said, I, I fucked that scene up. Give me one more shot to nail it. And I guess what's on the film he did in the, the first retake, just in one take. Nice. And. I don't know what he's doing. Like there's this kind of like he's drunk, but he's kind of getting his clarity, but there's also this haunted quality and it, it's fun to imitate. Like we were doing before that, you know, it's like, Oh, the thing about a shark is it's got those dead lifeless eyes, a doll's eyes. And, but mm-hmm. it fucking is hypnotic, right? Oh yeah. I mean, there's a reason that everybody remembers this speech. Um, and so many, so many good quotes from this character and others, but yeah, yeah. The, the thing about Quint is they they make him out to be a bastard at the beginning, and then they humanize him with this story, and then I kind of feel like he flips around to be a bit of a bastard again. Like he goes crazy on this shark hunt. He yeah he smashes does. the radio when Roy Scheider is trying to call in that they might need some help from the Coast Guard. He runs the engine to its death, um, and, and I thought they were much farther out in the ocean than they actually turned out to be so when he's running this engine i'm like oh he's gonna fucking strand them in the middle of the ocean with no radio because he just mashed it with a bat yeah he he goes a little crazy he goes a little ahab you know white whales uh at the end of this movie i think he's got the you know, clearly a personal grudge against these sharks and i don't know yeah. what exactly it is like no one else is going to die on his watch or like he's got survivor's guilt. You know, there's something about like he's, he talked about like he wasn't really afraid in the water until the boat was there to pick him up. And, you know, mm-hmm. you're 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 maybe minutes away from getting saved. and Like, oh, my God, what have you getting taken by a shark right there? But he's clearly got some kind of like trauma from that experience. And he's just not going to. I, I think he could tell that the chief was getting wobbly, you know, yeah. like, hey, we're. Because they, they, the reason they're so close to shore is they're dry. They had the barrels in it. They thought the shark was getting exhausted. They're going to drive it into shallow water mm-hmm. and drown it. And I think he was worried that the the chief was. He was calling in a mayday. He wanted to be rescued. And Quint wasn't fucking having it. He's called this shark yeah. out, and he's going to be the one that kills it. Um. Oh yeah, but then to drive the engine uh, so hard that it explodes when you no longer have a radio is truly insane. And the boat sinking, like uh-huh. it starts sinking, like it has to be manually bilged. Yeah, he's insane. And it's it's very, you know, Ahab, like he goes, he yeah. the, the monster takes him down with it, essentially. And mm-hmm. like I said, every every time, every point from where the shark starts like battering the boat and the, the, the boat starts sinking, because it always it I felt like the 
even though this was a really big boat of a shark, you, they always felt safe on the boat, right? It's like, you know, like they, they might j- jump up behind Roy and give him the fright of his life and set him up for an epic one liner. But like, it's they're mm-hmm. not going to. But when the the moment that thing started dr- dragging him in the, the water backwards and then started ramming, they started taking on water. Suddenly it's a race for time because they've got exactly the amount of time it takes for that boat to sink mm-hmm. to kill that shark or it will kill them. There's oh, no yeah. doubt in your mind. Yeah. Uh, no, once they're in the water, they're helpless. So, yeah, yeah you yeah. <laughs> their boat is their lifeline and it's sinking rapidly. Yeah. And it's like, I really like how they stretch that out too. like, you know, the boat's kind of going down and the mid, th- the, the back of it gets swamped and that's where Quint gets it. And that death is just, like I said, it's inspired. And, and I know the shark wasn't that great. So this is a lot of just, uh, uh, Robert Shaw thrashing around and screaming and spitting blood at the camera and S- Steven Spielberg in knee deep water with the camera right there. And, you know, he's selling it, right? If he's mm-hmm. not selling it, then it probably doesn't work. Um, and then Roy's just all alone. You know, Dreyfus is, for all he knows, dead. Shaw's just got chomped. And he's, like, desperately scaling the boat as it's progressively sinking. And it's, like, it's a game of inches and feet. Like, he's got the, he got the, he's got the tank in its mouth. God, it's just so damn exciting. I, I can't believe he's generating this much terror out of this plastic rubber shark, man. Yeah. Yeah, you do enough good camera work. It doesn't really matter if the shark looks perfect or not. Uh, It's funny that you mentioned the tank because this movie really heavily foreshadows. Well, it shows the tank conspicuously several times and people pick it up and they mention it and they say, watch out. These things explode. Um, Sure. It's doing a lot of like winking and nodding at the audience before the final scene. Um. And I couldn't help but notice it. Knowing the ending of this movie, I couldn't help but notice every time they did it. Yeah. Um, there's also the man. I, I there's like there's one scene in particular where um, Quint is up in the crow's nest shouting orders, and I think uh, the the idea is Dreyfus and and Scheider are starting to kind of sour on him, or starting to kind of worry about him, and they look up and he's just like completely. It's a bright lit sunny day, but he. I don't think the sun's behind him, but he's completely silhouetted because they got the exposure of the camera jacked all the way up. And I'm like, that's such an ominous shot of him. And Mm -hmm. what are they trying? You know, like, I I guess what they're trying to like a doll's eyes, like a doll's eyes, like a lifeless Shaw's eyes. I I, I think they're trying to turn us against Quint or they're starting to turn that kind of Captain Ahab corner where like Quint was up until that point, um, kind of like one of the co-protagonist and now he's kind of one of the co-antagonists because to to the extent you want to see Roy get back to his family Quint's not going to make that happen yeah not until uh, the shark's dead and you don't know if they can kill a shark so no but, um, it, it's good uh, there are a lot of like really horrible disturbing things that happen in this movie obviously kids get eaten uh, a body dead bodies that are waterlogged come you know hurling toward the camera the most disturbing thing, though, in this entire movie to me is when Hooper's going down into the shark cage and he's adjusting his mask and all that stuff. And Roy Scheider takes Richard Dreyfus glasses and puts them in his mouth, the earpiece in his mouth. <laughs> Did you see this? 
No, I didn't. I didn't. And he's sucking on it for like two minutes in this movie. It's you disgusting. Don't, you don't want to taste what another man's ear sweat tastes like, Jim? Oh, no, earwax you're and out, sweat. You, you, and you're out on that boat in the middle of Fourth of July weekend, and you can see how sweaty <laughs> Jesus, he is. Oh, they've been can, out there for mm, days. Yeah. Mm, it's like uh, licking a pistachio shell. Yeah. Ah. Uh. Uh, <laughs> disgusting yeah that really threw me man um yeah i uh i just this i mean and the other thing is like this movie uses comedy pretty well to kind of like uh um lighten the load every once in a while like you know they got this big scare with the shark uh mm-hmm. roy schneider has the um you know it's uh it, we're going to need a bigger boat um, I, I thought that, uh, I forgot that they, the, the way they defaced the Amnity, uh, billboard oh, where right. they got the, the bather with like googly eyes and yeah. saying, Oh no, it's a shark. Like that made me laugh out loud. Uh, um, and then also like the false, like the, the way they do the false scare, like the scene that I thought was the first one where it's like, you know, they still had all the deputies out and everybody's splashing in the water and then you see that shark fin coming up towards the bathers and he's got it right at the water level like these old folks are floundering in the water getting trampled and the camera's getting water kicked up on it and you really feel that frantic and then it's just the kids and they're getting held up at gunpoint and they're blaming each other and that's funny and just as you kind of relax then you see the girls see the actual shark swimming through the canal and the William yeah. soundtrack kicks, kicks back, back up and in. it's it's go time. Mm-hmm. It's just really the emotional, like even the USS Indianapolis scene. I've forgotten about this is front loaded by probably some of the funniest stuff in the movie where uh, Dreyfus and Shaw are drunk as skunks mm-hmm. and they're comparing war wounds. Like, oh, you look at my chip tooth. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, that can compare to the uh, Mako thing. And they just go back and forth like that, drinking each other's leg and, and yeah. uh, then they hit you with that fucking melodrama. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I, this movie, I was shocked at how well it holds up. And when you saw it any time during its prime, like in its first 15 to 20 years before we had digital effects that made the shark look kind of fakey, mm-hmm. you know, it was it, it's it's great. It, it, it's just it's just great. Another one of those moments that that really hit home for me, like the Indianapolis, is when. Um, you know, the, the woman, the, the mother of the child that gets geysered, uh, and torsoed comes in and slaps Roy Scheider and says like, it's because of you, the, you know, that my kid is dead, all this. And he takes that to heart, right? He takes responsibility. He has authority. And therefore with that comes responsibility. I don't see a lot of movies doing that nowadays. Like he would probably be a little indignant and say like, Hey, I, Tried to shut down this beach, but, you know, you want to slap somebody, go slap the mayor. Mm -hmm. Well, he knew, you know, he should have shut down that beach and he didn't. He got convinced by somebody else who had ulterior motives. It's he's taken it to heart. And I I liked that a lot. I thought it showed a lot of heart and a lot of compassion and responsibility um, and understanding of the responsibility that comes with authority from that character. Yeah. And I, I guess I was a little surprised to hear you stump for the mayor as much because I thought he, uh, I mean, maybe in the beginning it's defensible, but like, yeah, I thought he yeah. was just like, by the end you compare, like you said, Chief Brody taking responsibility, even if it's not all his versus the mayor who, once he realizes too late, this is a real deal. Yeah. 
And he's just talking about like, oh, no one could hold me responsible. Who could have possibly like he's already like writing his like explanation for like why this isn't his fault. Uh And he's right up there with like the mayor of New York City and Ghostbusters for like, you know, uh, incompetence and Uh short sightedness. And uh, I just found he's he's I mean, he's he's a well played because he's this guy's a pretty famous character actor. He's been in a bunch of different stuff. And he plays smarmy and smug and patronizing extremely well. And he's got all the other kind of chamber guys there with him. Um, and for me, he's one of the all time kind of hateable characters hmm. uh, okay. in, in terms of, you know, someone getting a warning um, and plenty of time to avoid something. And I, just, I think just if, fucking not doing it. If they hadn't caught that shark, I would be right there with you. But they catch a pretty big ass shark. Um they do tiger shark and i know you know dreyfus uh hooper wants to do the autopsy of the shark to make sure that you know the contents of its stomach match what they expect this shark to have been eating and he refuses so he's kind of the bad guy in that scene too but mm-hmm. I, I feel like putting that shark catch in there makes it reasonable that they've gotten their villain and the beaches can reopen yeah but, but you're right like at, in the end he is certainly a villain and the thing is, is like, I actually thought his I was kind of on his side when he's like, look, I'm not going to have you open this shark up on this oh, dock and no. see like and see this kid flop out in front of his mother and in front of the cameras like, but like, yeah, coming back that night or wheeling it into a warehouse just to be sure like he yeah. was just not going to ha- he just didn't like that's the thing. It's like he had and that's that's the worst when you have people like this. It's like it's bad enough when there's inventing shit, but like when they're mm-hmm. taking legitimate things and using that to shut down and not. Uh, I, like I said, I, I fucking just hate this guy um, from his <laughs> from his anchor print blazer uh, to his sweaty flop sweat, uh, guilty, uh, trying to b- bury the, the story, uh, yellow belly exterior. I just yeah, he's he's detestable. There's one other detail in the movie making uh, here that I want to talk about, and it's something that I don't see a lot anymore movies are typically so concerned nowadays with like pristine sound and and having people understand all of the dialogue in any given unless you're christopher nolan and then you drop the dialogue to negative 500 decibels and the Uh action to plus four thousand um but but it's it's the scene where uh roy scheider's on the phone like at the beginning of the movie, he's just got a phone mm-hmm. call after the shark attack or whatever. And his he's family's trying to get, in the, the background. get a hold of Richard Dreyfus, right? Yeah. Uh. Yeah. His family's in the background and they're just going about their business. The kids kind of screaming. This is something that they do in E.T. as well. And so this might just be a Spielberg thing. I don't know. I haven't seen a lot of movies of that era, but they they let the background play out at roughly the same volume as it would be if you were standing in the room. And they, mm-hmm. they don't drop the background out so you can hear what he's saying on the phone. They just kind of put you in the scenario and it makes it yeah, feel a lot more it. natural to me. Like, mm-hmm. like this is a thing that's actually happening, not a movie that's being finely tweaked so that I can have a perfect experience. Yeah, I, I even liked it because, you know, there's noticeable film grain and this isn't like uh, a flaw, like, like flawless film developing either, too, because this is 1975 Spielberg's first movie. I mm-hmm. guess like several minutes of this film were submerged in seawater for like the better part of 24 hours when a camera sank Jeez. and they were still able to retrieve the footage. But mm-hmm. I kind of like that, you know, cause you can, I mean, for better or worse, everything that was like pre what 2000 was real to some extent, you know, like, and 
I, you know, nowadays, like if you go watch the Meg or something, it's all CG. It's, it's, you know, it, I guess it looks better and the film stock is better, but you're just much more aware of the trickery involved. Yeah. Um, whereas this, like, you know, when things are splashing around, they haven't added the splashes digitally or there's not like a dude in a green suit flat. Like it's a big ass shark. It's a 25 foot shark. Mm-hmm. It's not alive. It's made out of rubber, but it's out there and it's doing its thing. And I, every bit of this thing up until like the very end of the movie, like at the very end where it's like chomping on like this shark just really looks good. If this shark is even under six inches of water, it looks like a real yeah. fucking shark. And especially uh, there's, there's well one done. shot where, you know, it's attacking the cage and, and Hooper's already swam out, but it's like rolling around on yeah. the cage. That uh-huh. had to be a real shark and a model, right? I don't, I don't think you could get an animatronic hmm. to do that. That's interesting. I'm not sure exactly. I didn't notice anything that I thought this had to be a shark. Um, but even like when the kid got attacked on the raft, mm-hmm. that looked like a slow speed version of like the, you know, them, them hitting the seals from underneath. Like, I guess yeah. nowadays, because we've all seen shark, they maybe Spielberg would have done something that gonzo. But uh, I, I was I, I was amazed at how real the shark looked for most of the movie. Like I said, if you. I would like uh, it would be interesting for the 50th anniversary to have an alternate release where maybe Spielberg authorizes some digital smoothing and some of those things. I'm not saying replace it with a CGI shark, but just use some something to like the Photoshop eraser tool to just kind of erase some of the seams and some of the joint lines of the shark and and, and whatnot. Because then like I I think this movie with just a little bit of tweaking uh would hold up another 50 years. I am afraid the next 50 years mm-hmm. is going to start looking like some of Harryhausen's voyage of sinbad like oh well, yeah in the time gotcha. those skeletons looked amazing but they're kind of hokey um as as things get better and better i do think that that third act might start looking that way but i don't know i i thought that was going to be true in 2021 i really thought i really thought my review is going to be the first two thirds of this movie are great and then the last third is this let down <laughs> by 1975 special shark. effects yeah. but Honestly, the first two acts of this film are amazing, and then it just puts the fucking pedal to the metal in that last one, mm-hmm. and uh, it's super exciting. Like I said, Spielberg turned out to be one of the finest directors, and so versatile too. Um, I feel like we've done a lot of Spielberg movies, but not really. You know, popcorn movies, adventure movies, thrillers, uh, historical dramas, war films. Has he done a comedy? That like might be the like a, like an out and out comedy. Hmm. I I don't know if Spielberg has done one. I'm I'm sure, but he almost has to have. And I'm sure someone's going to send his email on it. Yeah. But like, yeah, he's just he's just really good. Turns out. <laughs> Turns out. Yeah. Uh, that's about all I have to say about Jaws. Me too. I feel like I fully digested it. Uh, you can you can uh, have Richard Dreyfus come out and cut me open to see, but uh, I think I think the digestion process is over. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I I hope you guys have enjoyed our little mini scary prestige movies uh, jaunt that we've done here at the end of October. Uh, we'll be getting back to kind of our regular scheduled prestige movies. Still waiting for a really really banger prestige television show that catches our imagination. We are as thirsty for one of those as you are, but uh, I think our next film is going to be color of money the sequel to uh shit was that is it the uh, hustler the hustler i want to say hustlers i knew that wasn't is the hustler <laughs> um which i wasn't excited for until i saw hustler and now i'm like really excited to see the 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 sequel 
So yeah, it's got Robert Newman. Uh, sorry, not Robert Newman. Paul Newman, uh, Tom Cruise, Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, it's good. Going to be very exciting to see that. So that will probably be the next one, uh, unless we have an anniversary that I've forgotten about. But uh, more prestige films. I want a week until until the the prestige television drought is over. Uh, thanks for joining us. We'll see you on the next one. Until then, I'm Aaron, and I'm Jim. Bye, everybody.